0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Craft Beer Talk Show. I'm your host, Matt Sausch. If this is your first time, welcome. This is a show where we chat craft beer, of course, uh, history of beer, and whatever else really comes to my mind. If this isn't your first time, well, then welcome back. Last week, we talked about pumpkin ale, seeing as though it's that time of the year, and we had a battle between two great breweries. One was Great Lakes Brewery, and two, Lake of Bays Brewing. So check that out, uh, and check out both of their pumpkin ales. They're absolutely delicious, uh, but of course, there had to be a winner, um, so go check out that episode to see who came out on top. But this week, uh, this is a special episode for two reasons. Um, One, I think, is kind of the most obvious, if you're Canadian at least, um, and that's because this weekend is Thanksgiving. So I think most of us are gearing up for family gatherings. Uh, not too big, of course, because of the COVID restrictions. Um, it could be a blessing in disguise for some. But we're all putting on our stretchy pants for lots of turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes, all of the Thanksgiving classics. Uh, if you're a vegan or vegetarian... Um, and those things sound not at all like a Thanksgiving dinner to you, then check out my buddy Noah's Instagram uh, story at Noah Sauce. He will show you all the ways to make Thanksgiving dinner without any harm to animals. So that's the first thing, uh, which is obvious. The second thing that makes this episode special is I'm actually recording on a Wednesday instead of a Thursday which I usually do, I don't even know if I've ever mentioned that before, but I usually do it the Thursday, they release it on the Friday, uh, just so it's really fresh. But I'm doing it on a Wednesday, uh, and that's for one reason. Today is Canadian Beer Day. Some of you might not know what that is. Uh, You might have heard of International Beer Day, just like there's a a day for absolutely everything. Uh, But this day is specific to just Canadians and the Canadian beer industry. And if you haven't heard of this, Don't worry one bit because, honestly, I hadn't heard of it either, which I'm disappointed in myself for, um, and I'll definitely be paying a lot more close attention uh, to this day, Um, and if I did know, I would have been for sure promoting it like crazy on my social media. Uh, I posted a few things, but really only spur of the moment, Uh, but basically the whole idea behind this day is that the Canadian beer industry is so important to the uh, Canadian economy. So why not have a day where we focus on on giving back and by giving back, I mean, you know going out of your way to pick up some local beer or stopping in for a pint where you can or, or going to a restaurant or pub that, that offers um, you know local taps. Of course, with the pandemic and everything going on, um, it's been a lot more difficult to do these things. so do what you can. Um, within reason, of course, but next year for sure, we will be uh, a, a much bigger celebration. I'll be making this a lot uh, bigger deal. Uh, the day occurs on, I think, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, which would make sense for this year. Um, next year, it's on October 6th, so that's 2021. and I'm pretty sure, uh, pretty sure that's the same thing because Thanksgiving's always the first weekend um, in October. I think that's true. Maybe the second weekend. I'm not too sure, but the event is put on and sponsored by Beer Canada, and the website to see more information is CanadianBeerDay.ca. Go check that out. Um, and to finish off, kind of explaining this, I'll, I'll list three facts they have on their website of why we as Canadians should be beer proud. So number one is 15,000 Canadians work in breweries. Number two. 149,000 Canadian jobs connected to beer um, in the restaurant, hospitality, uh, tourism, agriculture, and transportation sectors. And number three, and this is probably my favorite fact of them all, 85% of the beer consumed in Canada was brewed in Canada. So that's really awesome, and that's kind of what this whole show is about. You know, go support your local breweries, but um, Not to mention during this crisis, breweries, you know, stepped up producing things like hand sanitizer, they were um, supporting local restaurants, they were charitable donations, um, all to help out and keep these small businesses floating. Um, It's very important, and I'm glad to see. That most of these breweries are thriving. I know with curbside pickup, everybody has been doing their due diligence and and putting in an order and picking it up. Um, You know, some breweries where they can are are doing delivery, um, and that that's really awesome to see. So keep that up. Uh, Unfortunately, this pandemic isn't over yet, and we might be going through some more trying times. And uh, pay attention. You know, you you got to keep that beer stocked up in the fridge uh, for when things get uh, shut down, if they do. Hopefully, they don't. But Definitely keep your local brewer in mind. So now let's jump to the second, or I believe I called it the first reason um, this episode is important, and that's Thanksgiving. Uh, I think in Canada, there's not really a much of a connection between Thanksgiving and beer other than Canadians love beer. Um, but as far as I know, most families drink wine um, with their sit-down meal, maybe some beers before or after. Um, and that could easily be changed. There, there are plenty of choices you could you pick to pair your meal uh, with perfectly. I just think that beer is usually kind of bloating. So when you're eating a ton of food like you usually do at, at Thanksgiving dinner, uh, most people choose something a little lighter on the stomach. But that's not what this episode's about. This episode is more so looking to dig into the roots of Thanksgiving um, and diving into the history of our settlers who helped shape the country um, and their history sort of with beer. Now, there is a difference between that and Canada's beer story, especially if you want to chat about how craft beer uh, in Canada got started, and the latter part we will be talking about uh, next week, actually. So look at this as a two-part series in a way. So when we talk about beer in Canada, uh, in the settlers, we know two things. One, we know that Aboriginals were on this land, uh, and that they are really a major part of Canada's story. But when it comes to alcohol, from my research, I believe that they didn't necessarily have a very big belief in brewing or or knowledge in the equipment to properly brew beer. Although there were, um, you know, trading sessions, the fur trade. Um, and alcohol, and later when settlers first arrived, I couldn't find uh, any connection to Aboriginal tribes brewing at that time. So I just wanted to acknowledge that before moving forward with the rest. Uh, So the second thing we know is that settlers who came to Canada, uh, which called it New France, um, were very big into alcohol. So the settlers that came over to New France um, we're used to drinking wine and making wine, but the grape varieties, the European grape varieties, did not do very well uh, in these Canadian climates. So beer was actually made not just for recreational use, but really a necessity in these times. Milk and even water were full of dangerous microorganisms um, that got people very ill, you know, potentially dying. Uh, but because of you know beer's brewing process and the long boils. A lot of these deadly viruses uh, were killed off, not to mention high acidity, uh, and hops, etc. They made the environment not so friendly for bacteria to live in. So one man in particular uh, we'll focus on is Louis Hébert. He was among one of the first to grow crops and harvest the land. When he arrived in 1617, he immediately planted wheat for bread and barley for beer. He would have preferred to be planting grapes, of course, as he was born and raised in Paris. But the short growing season and the climate made this, you know, impossible. Really, uh, the interesting part of this early style of brewing was the methods and recipes. Now, there isn't much record uh, of recipes, you know, written down or anything like that. But we do know a few things. We know that in the 17th century, the citizens of New France were encouraged to produce beer in their homes. Uh, They typically used the same kettle that they cooked their food in, uh, and they only used the simplest of ingredients, some some barley grain, uh, some water, and some yeast. Uh, We also know that they like to experiment and add their favorite flavors to their brews. These include uh, molasses, dandelions, ginger, good old Canadian maple syrup, um, spruce boughs, Checkerberries, sarsaparous, and of course, of course, hops. Mix those up, but um, and that—that's very interesting to me about brewing in the same pot as they cook their food. Not necessarily that I believe, and of course, they wash it and this and that. But you got to believe that in these kettles, in these pots, and, and whatever they were made out of things have had to like stick you know like on a barbecue and people will grill stuff and then it doesn't really get properly cleaned and then they always say ah it adds flavor to to the next thing they barbecue i almost feel as if that's kind of like the same ideology when it comes to brewing in the same pot that you're you're cooking your food in like i can imagine stews would have this almost um yeasty kind of like alcohol taste uh, i don't think obviously you would turn anything to alcohol. That doesn't make any sense. But I could just see it having this kind of like barley um, taste to everything. But I don't necessarily know their cleaning methods. I can't imagine they're very thorough. Um, I would imagine it's like a rinse uh, or something like that, hot water. But uh, very interesting. So let's now turn things over to uh, the jesuit fathers so if you don't know what that means basically it was a following called uh, the society of jesus and their mission was to bring lost souls uh, in the new world to christianity so when speaking of the jesuit fathers they arrived in 1611 uh, i'm referring to two men uh, that is pierre biard and edamon Masset. Uh, and these two fellas had been deprived of their rations of wine Um, They were supposed to be delivered from France, so they had no choice but to turn to beer. Um, So, in March 1647, they built the first ever brewery in New France. Uh, This brewery would be exclusive to the fathers of Jesuit only, and it wasn't until a little later down the road uh, where New France would get its first ever commercial brewery. So, that brings our attention to a man by the name of Jean Talon. And uh, he was a powerful intendant, which is like second to the governor in terms of rank. So very powerful man. Um, he had grown up in the largest beer drinking community in France. And he believed that a brewery would diversify the economy, uh, which was struggling at the time following the Beaver Wars. So not only did he have these cultural and, and you know, kind of like pastime beliefs, but he actually had good reason for uh, building this brewery. He believed it would encourage people to farm because all of their excess grain would go to to making this beer. He also believed that trade would increase as they could export their beer uh, as a valuable product. He also hoped that uh, this brewery would drive people away from brandy, which they were used to drinking Uh, wine and brandy was was the common drink from the the people coming over from France and he referred to this drink as the demon drink because he thought it was making Canadians um, into destitute drunks so he was not a big fan of brandy he was right up the the beer train and of course as a high power politician um, man he definitely did not want uh, new France to to be so, uh, I don't know, corrupt, I guess you could say. But on April 5th, 1671, Talon wrote to King Louis that the brewery was complete, and there was nothing like it in the colonies of America. Fully state-owned and operated, uh, the brewery named Brasserie du Bois could make 4,000 barrels a year. Uh, to put things in perspective, 50 years later... Uh, an American brewery would only be about half the size. And another 50 years after that, when John Molson started brewing, he was only able to produce about 120 barrels a year. So a lot bigger for a lot less people uh, when comparing the times that Molson uh, was was beginning to brew and when Talon was brewing. Um, that's pretty mind-blowing. But even though this place was amazing, It did not last very long Uh, before the British came in 1759 the people of New France uh, were used to drinking wine and of course brandy like I mentioned uh, seeing as they all grew up in major wine drinking regions of France so with little interest in the brewery uh, it had to close its doors in 1675 that's only four years after it opened Um, it ended up turning into the intendant's palace so In a way, our boy Jean Talon kind of got hooked up. Uh, He built this amazing brewery, and then he got this amazing palace once it had to close its doors. But this is something, you know, it blows my mind. You know, people of these times, like 100 years later, and John Molson was only able to do 120 barrels a year compared to the 4,000 that uh, Jean Talon and his crew could do. 100 years earlier so very impressive stuff i i would have loved to be you know i wish i could time travel and, and just be standing and seeing what it was like with all of these hands on deck brewing these these um these beers and recipes because the beer itself would be completely different than what we're used to now so definitely something uh that i love to to learn about and to hear so hopefully you enjoy it uh, as well so that's where we'll leave it off in terms of uh, of sharing our earliest stories of of Canadian settlers and and beer production, because after that is where we'll talk about you know the beginning of the major beer movement, um, and then chat about the craft beer industry taking off in Canada. So that's like the second part of the series, and that's going to be next week. So it's not necessarily about like Thanksgiving at all, but. Uh, Thanksgiving is all about well-giving thanks and, and paying tribute to humble beginnings. Uh, and the story of Jean Toulon, Louis Hebert, and the Jesuit fathers um, will be one I'll be sharing at my Thanksgiving table this weekend for sure because my family loves to drink beer. Uh, we love craft beer. And I know there's going to be a, a bunch of beers sitting around the table um, and, and chatting, you know, catching up. And this is something I'm definitely going to share because I think they'll be they'll be definitely very interested in. Um, that is if they don't listen to the podcast. Hopefully they do, but I don't mind sharing it again. So let's get to the brewery portion. Um, jumping centuries later, we've got a brewery by the name of Square Brew. Uh, they're located in a town called Goderich. Beautiful town. Uh, I recommend you visit it. It's right on the edge of Lake Huron. Uh, it was actually given the title, Prettiest City in Canada by Queen Elizabeth, so that's really cool, and yeah, it was (laughs) extremely pretty, lovely to walk around, lots of tiny shops, Um, but as for Square Brew, they're Goderich's only craft brewery, they opened up in 2017, uh, they have a lovely sp- spot, like very simple decor. Uh, by the looks of it, they have you know a bunch of games you can play from board games to like an arcade basketball hoop, uh, I think it was. But of course, like anything else these days, uh, it was all put away due to COVID. Uh, but if you're ever traveling there, make sure to drop in or even going through it because I-, I don't know about you guys, but I love going to these small towns. There's so much history. And I think from doing these episodes, you can tell that I love um, learning about you know, kind of what shaped this country and this province. And wherever you're from, whatever's local to you, like, learn about it. And uh, Godrich is one of those towns I won't disappoint. But the brewery, they have four beer varieties and a hard seltzer. Um, out of the four they do, which are a milk stout, a amber ale, a Oktoberfest lager, and a pilsner. I chose to keep the theme and the uh, festival alive so we will be doing the Oktoberfest lager. Um, so I did an Oktoberfest episode a couple weeks ago. Uh, if you need a refresher on you know what that style is like, then pause right now, go to episode 16, skip to the beer review portion, and get yourself knowledge up, and then come back and, and listen to this review. Um, it's not the most informative website, uh, but what we do know is we've got a Marzen lager, which is commonly known as Masinbiar, and uh, we know that it's sitting at five percent. Uh, other than that, you know this this style of beer. It's it's rich in malt with a balance, you know, clean um, hot bitterness, it's similar to a Vienna lager, but uh, it's usually kind of have these bready flavors. But more info- all the information is in the Oktoberfest episode, episode sixteen. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to jump into this beer, uh, crack it open. And we will be back to taste Square Brew's Oktoberfest lager. All right, so I've got the uh, beer poured. Uh, Of course, since it's an Oktoberfest lager, and I don't know why I did this last time. I think it's because I had bought proper glassware um, or the matching Forefathers Brewing glassware for uh, the Festbier we did in episode 16, Um, whereas I don't have Square Brew glassware. So what I did was, of course, I put the, the beers in one large stein, um, and it looks really Oktoberfesty. y uh, The color it's, it's kind of it's pale for sure, like a pale orange. Um, it looks good uh, in terms of first look, so I'm excited to try it. Let's give it a smell. So, it, it smells very sweet, like it smells like sweet bread, I, I would imagine. Um, like I mentioned, these beers fairly malty. Um, they range in color. So the color thing, they range from pretty pale to uh, dark brown, really. Um, depends on on the malts and what addition of malts you're putting in and, and all that kind of other stuff. But uh, this one's like a pale orange, so mid-ranged. Um, Smells of sweet bread, that's kind of the only thing I'm really picking up. Uh, I'm going to imagine this beer is going to be really sweet. Like yeah, really, really sweet. Um, It's got a nice layer of head on it. Um, It it looks honestly picture perfect uh, in this stein especially. So I'm going to go ahead and give it a taste and let's see what we are working with. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. So definitely, um, I get a little bit of carbonation up front. You get this sweet kind of like it, it overwhelms your cheeks, you know, when you suck, not like a sour beer, but like, I don't know, I get this like pungent kind of taste in my cheeks. And then I'm like, cheeking up a little bit here. Um, But then you get this, like, dry bitterness. So I think this beer is pretty dry, um, to be honest, which I kind of like. The sweetness, I'm not crazy on, like, super sweet beer. Like, I like more of a crisp, uh, you know, kind of dry taste. Whereas this is, like, sweet um, and dry. I I don't really know. Just took another sip. Now, that's it but I think maybe it's just my palate has adjusted uh, I didn't find it as sweet I found it more neutral um, I didn't I didn't like pucker up or, or anything like that um, but I think that's maybe just my mouth is now used to it but uh, I definitely get like the, the breadiness um, to me it almost tastes like you know when you're smelling um, Yeast and bread, and like you kind of have the dough. And if you were to like pick up the bowl and put your nose to the bowl, and you smell that that strong yeast presence, um, it smells like you know the making of bread. That's exactly what this tastes like. Uh, that's how that's how I can I can put it. Um, that doesn't mean I dislike it. Is it my favorite Oktoberfest lager? I'll be honest with you and say no. Um, it is not my favorite. Uh, comparing it to The episode 16 forefathers, uh, I think that one would definitely take the edge on this one. But I think it's maybe just the sweetness. Um, It's a little too sweet for me uh, in terms of flavor. I'm going to give it one last sip. I want to try and get as much uh, out of this beer as I can before I give it a, a fair score. Hmm. Okay, so definitely, I think the major um, thing for me is the aroma. I don't necessarily care for the uh, aroma um, too much. I definitely think that it, it like it doesn't necessarily almost match like when I smell it, I almost feel as if I'm gonna be tasting like something really sugary. Um, And I don't think that's the case here. It's a pretty dry beer. So, and like it's only 5%. So it's not like something, you know, when you have a sour beer that can be up to like 7.5%, you know it's super sour. You can taste that, that booziness where this is very, it is mellow and chill now that I've gotten used to it. It's definitely a lot more mellow and I can definitely pick up a lot more of that that breadiness um, and that that dryness. It's like pretty clean cut. It doesn't last in your mouth uh, for a whole long, uh, long time. So the aroma definitely for me kind of takes a lot away from what the beer could be, especially in this big stein, right? Like when I'm taking a drink, my nose is basically um, in the beer, so that's the only thing that I would say that I, I definitely don't like about the beer um, is that that sweet aroma um, it might have been able to be masked by you know maybe different ingredients and in dry hopping but then you know does that take away from the style uh, that's definitely up to to the brewers to decide on uh, an experimentation but, um, for a score, I got to give it one last sip. I, I want to be honest and I want I want to give it the best score it can be. So, of course, I look at um, all the positives in the beer and I don't necessarily want to just focus on the negatives. So let me give it one last sip and then I'll get right to the score. Okay, so the score I'm going to give uh, Square Brew Oktoberfest Mars and Lager is um, a seven point zero five a very odd score i wanted to give it a seven flat but uh you know obviously we believe in the decimal system here and that gives all these edges i think it would have been like a seven point five if it didn't have this way too sweet aroma and this could be a preference thing like other people could smell that and be like "Mm, that smells really good but for me uh unfortunately um i didn't care for the the smell the the taste after you keep drinking them and drink them, your palate adjusts. Um, and, and like what I said when I first tasted, it is kind of almost the exact opposite of what I'm tasting now. Um, when I first tasted it, I was almost expecting like the like the dryness, but like the, it's like a dry sweet. So I wasn't necessarily expecting that. Um, I, I should have from the the aroma, but um, my palate's adjusted now. I'm used to it, and now it's really lovely. Um, the taste. It's very simple. Very, very simple. Um, and it doesn't have too many complex favors. I think on the website, they describe it as light, bready, and dry. And I think for if that was what they were aiming for, then that's boom, nail on the head. Um, but unfortunately, it takes it from being like an averagely good beer to a good beer, but I don't care for the aroma, so a 7.05, definitely a weird score, I'm not too sure how many of those I'm going to give out, Um, but Square Brew, check them out, Uh, from my review it might sound like you wouldn't want to, but trust me, it's not as bad as I make it sound, Um, Square Brew, Oktoberfest, like I said, they have a Pilsner, Uh, they have a great milk stout, um, they also had an amber ale, which I, I really enjoyed. Uh, I just picked this one for the theme. So go out there, go to Goderich, check it out. Beautiful town. Um, you're going to love this place, especially hopefully if COVID restrictions kind of settle down. Who knows when? But it's a great place for a date with your buddies um, to play some games, um, grab some beers. They have cool clothing, Um glassware available, hats, all that kind of stuff. So check them out. Um, but other than that, this has been episode 19. Um, next week, part two, I guess you could say, of Canada's Beer Store. I almost didn't intend this to be like that. But now you know that I've, I've done this part, while I was researching, I said I got to talk about the latter half. And uh, that's going to be next week. So episode 20, it's going to be a big one. Stay tuned um, for updates on my Instagram page, which is Craft Beer Talk Show. I'll, I'll drop Square Brew's Instagram information on the description in the episode. Um, so until next week, cheers.